got the quote here. I can find the whole fucking thing. Oh, new role, Prince. You prince of New England. (laughs) Kings of mine. You princes of New England. I don't know why I never missed that reference. I never miss a time. Never let that fall away from me. (laughs) Blobby is truly a horrifying. You know him, right? Who? Mr. Blobby. Mm. I've seen reference and I've seen picture. I, I, I think I've seen him like reference some things and it's like a terrifying children's TV show figure. Oh, it's, yeah, he's ho- horror. He's horrible here. Pull up a blobby clip for you, Oh, thank you. Like, uh, with blobby. Imagine, like, montage of blobby just fucking shit up. I think you showed me that. Yeah, and there's a shot of him, like, where there's, like, a kid on the beach. And they're like making sandcastles together, and then Bobby just takes this kid's face and just like <laughs> drives it into the sand like a like a fucking bully, like a brutal bully. Yeah, here it is. <laughs> just like a bunch of shots of him just fucking shit up. I mean, he's got no pants on. Yeah, I'm unsettled by the fact that he's wearing shirts in some scenes. Yeah, which seems to imply that he knows. Right? Okay. <laughs> Because, I mean, this seems to canonically prove that he is, in fact, nude in yeah. other sequences. Not that, like, he's just someone who doesn't wear clothes, but, like, he knows he ought to be wearing pants, but chooses not to. And there's just so many, like, clips of him just manhandling people and, like, shoving <laughs> them around. Like, Well, also, the, the like, gargly space monster voice is really that upsetting. Voice is well, yeah. Why was, why did that, why did that clear committee? Girl, something here is different, I couldn't This the podcast where three friends will sit down with a themed cocktail and watch a troubled movie, and now we're gonna discuss what worked and what didn't, and how they would each fix it. I am Chris, some wicked lady Ravel. I am Lee, one infinite hug Delahanty. I am Brendan. I'm nice on the ice, which is a phrase other people have used to describe me, and how good I am at broomball Trishler. And I mean, I barely need to say what these classic lines are from. Is the Netflix. The lines that you've surely seen on social media over Tr- the past week. <laughs> Truly. Everyone using it's, their Facebook status. You know, one of the finer pieces of Netflix Christmas trash, uh, let it snow. I um, prefer holiday ephemera. <laughs> Sidebar, statuses are not a thing anymore. No, they're not. It's just, <laughs> what is not really. it's just what are you thinking or something? Yeah. Like that? What do you even call it? I don't know. It's yeah, I don't know either. I feel like it doesn't even show you the times where it was... Do you remember how it used to be like the status would just plug directly next to your name? Yeah. So do you, you remember how it used to say is? Right. <laughs> like Chris is feeling kind of grumpy. Yeah, I really <laughs> miss statuses. I const- I still use that as a f- sort of like phrase, like a joke, like a meme. Mm. But like, I don't, I realize that like, oh my God, it's upsetting to think that like younger kids won't well, get no, it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like this... current status and then like a very specific <laughs> sort of thing. Because we used to do that right, when yeah. we were kids. Right. Uh, but yeah, people don't. People nowadays aren't going to get that. They're going to be like, "What is that?" I Bre- mean, Brendan Drischler is nice on the ice. Yeah, <laughs> which is something that they've said which about other people. <laughs> describing yeah. how good I am at broomball. All right. Which brings us back around to this movie. Which <laughs> honestly, this digression about Facebook is, I feel, very appropriate because we are a bunch of people in their thirties talking about stuff that kids do these days. Yep. Right. Um, I would, kids played by yeah, mid twenty something. Right. Not and that yeah. much younger than us. It's a. Uh, it's sort of a um, like teen love actually. And uh, did you say the name of the movie? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's not I said. 
Netflix's Let Us okay. Know. Um, it is one of their Christmas offerings this yeah, year. So one it's of 2019. Holiday yeah. Ephemera. Yep, I'm directed by Schnell. Luke Snellen. Luke Snell. Luke Snellen, yes. okay. Mock Snellen. Uh, with a screenplay by Kate Cannon, Victoria Strauss, and Laura Solomon. This so was Kate Cannon? Yeah, I know, right? Wow. I wonder if her contributions were just like, what if Darcy Carden? Yeah, well, I wonder if there was a much, like, dirtier, more, like, I don't think it would be that. It's like it's a YA script, book, right? I guess. But I only know her from Blockers, so I guess that's why I'm like, huh. Fair. Um, anyway, yeah, it has, like, Karen and Shipka, it has Joan Cusack. That's kind of it. Star Wars. I mean, it's babies. Yeah, yeah. It has, famously... Shamik Moore? No. Yeah, the voice of uh, Miles, Miles Morales. Morales. It has, that is famous, yeah. but what are, are everyone's favorite. Oh, uh, yeah. New Rollo? Is, um, the child of... <laughs> Miles Robbins. <laughs> Miles Robbins. <laughs> as Billy. Billy is... And Susan Sarandon. Susan Sarandon. Yeah. The perfect hybrid child. Yeah. Truly, both in mannerism... I mean, we'll get into him. He's quite He's quite a no, treat. It's the same thing with, like, um, Goldie Hawn and uh, what's-his-face? Yeah. Um, Kurt, Kurt Russell. Yes, Kurt Not Russell. Cameron, no, Kurt, that'd be weird. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, thank you. How their son looks exactly like 50% of each yes. of them. It's really remarkable. He really looks like 50% of both his mother just and like father. Just like perfect yeah. case studies for genetics. Yeah, yeah. Too. perfectly balanced. Yeah. Just 50-50. Um, but yeah, this... Um, before we really get into the, the truly sprawling plot of this movie... Brendan, what did we drink? So the drink that we made is called DJ K-Pal's Crunkmas Punch. And this drink <laughs> is half a gallon of fresh cider, some whiskey, two cinnamon sticks, eight allspice berries, one orange, scrubbed clean, unpeeled, which I didn't do. I peeled it. Or, no, I left it unpeeled. I did it right. Guys, I'm good. Sliced it thin. A teaspoon of whole cloves, a one-inch piece of fresh ginger, roughly chopped, and a teaspoon of fresh grated nutmeg, which we used pre-grated nutmeg because I didn't really want to grate some. It sounded like you said... When you said yeah. fresh grated, it sounded like you said frustrated. So <laughs> frustrated nutmeg. We use some happy nutmeg, which I think is all for the better. Yeah. You combine all this stuff in a saucepan, bring it to a simmer. It said to turn off the heat, but I kind of just let it go for a while, yeah. as Elsa would have done. Um, <laughs> we kind of strained it out a little bit to get all the uh, flotsam and jetsam out of there, and then we just drank it all up. Oh, there's also some honey I threw in there, because I was just improvising at a certain point. So I decided to throw in some honey, too. Yeah. It's really nice. I liked it. It's um, it's cozy. I think I would probably... I would probably... I didn't know there was honey in it. I think that mm-hmm. when I first said I was like, it's a little sweet. It's not unpleasantly it. sweet. I probably would have, like, less honey in mm-hmm. it. But it was a good hot drink. I think, it, like, had I wanted to... Like, had I planned ahead to incorporate honey, I feel like I probably would have got some kind of orange honey or something that would yeah. have, like, fit the, the palate a little bit better. Yeah. But, um... But yeah, no, I, I liked it too. Malt wine is always going to be my favorite, but this mm. was this was a nice this was a nice Christmas drink. Well, it was so nice and cozy. Delightful. Makes yeah. you feel a little bit sleepy in a yeah. nice way. Always love a good hot Christmas bev. Yeah, <laughs> hot Christmas bev. Give me them hot bevs. It's like a hot Santa daddy. Mm. Um, so now that we've like, got that out of the way, what is this movie actually about? All well, right, me, I can have it. Do you want it? Yeah, I'm gonna go for it. All right, I need to take a break in between. That's fine. We'll get through it. Let's yeah, do it. Short enough. I trust summer, you. I think so. For what it is. Let It Snow starts on Christmas Eve in Laurel, Illinois. Julie Reyes runs into rising pop star Stuart Bale on a train. He mistakes her as a paparazzi when she tries to return his phone to him, to which she takes offense despite his apologies. After the train is stopped by snowed-over tracks, Julie gets off to walk home. Stuart joins and offers lunch at a local diner called Waffle Town. <laughs> we know uh, what a Waffle Town is. You don't have to say it's a local diner called Waffle Town. She reluctantly agrees and also saves Stuart from a group of fangirl cheerleaders. She reveals to Stuart that she got accepted into Columbia University in New York and her mom is also deathly sick, but if she delays leaving, she'll lose the scholarship. The pair go sledding and meet Julie's mom, Debbie. 
They go back to Julie's house where Stuart is introduced to Julie's grandpa and they bond over Mick Jagger. Everyone dances to one of the songs. <laughs> While dancing, Debbie throws a coughing fit, causing Julie concern. Stuart offers to get Julie a nurse for her mom, offending Julie. Stuart dismisses her concern, stating he offered it because he cares about Julie. The two almost kiss before Stuart's publicist shows up to take him back to his hotel. Stuart offers for Julie to come with him, but she declines, feeling a need to stay with her mom. Across town, Waffle Town employee Dory tries to juggle her best friend Addie, who's worried that her boyfriend is going to break up with her, and Carrie, a cheerleader she hooked up with. Carrie visits the diner with her friends and pretends not to know Dory. Addie makes a scene with her boyfriend in the diner. Dory tries to calm Addie down, but sorry, this is riddled with misspellings that I'm correcting while I while I speak. Do you think it was like a, a reader of the book who wrote um, this? Probably, Wikipedia. I don't know. Or a, <laughs> yeah, a teenager wrote this. But she storms off. Later, Dory and Carrie meet in the bathroom and kiss passionately. Dory tells Keon that Carrie, Keon, who is Tobin's friend, who was a character that shows up later, <laughs> yep. that Carrie matter. will probably be at the party. Meanwhile, Tobin plans to tell his best friend AJ, nicknamed the Duke, that he likes her. The two are invited to a party by Duke's friend JP, who Tobin sees as competition. The three end up stealing the keg from the party and ended up in a ditch. They <laughs> end up in a ditch. They wait for the tow truck in a nearby church where Duke has Tobin play Hole of the Moon, but when JP and the Duke start dancing together, Tobin leaves. Duke attempts to talk to Tobin about it, who brushes her off, angering her. Tobin's friend Keon attempts to arrange a party to impress a big-time DJ, but his parents shut down the party and attempt they, uh, the party attempt at his house and gets called into work at Waffle Town. His friend and fellow co-worker Billy offers Waffle Town as a party spot, provided he get the necessary supplies. Back at home, Julie's mom convinces her to go to Columbia, stating, When life offers you something special, you take it. Everyone ends up at Keon's party after Tobin arrives with the stolen keg. Duke arrives and Tobin confesses his love to her, to which she admits the same. Addie returns to Waffle Town and apologizes to Dory for her rude behavior. Carrie apologizes to Dory for her caught and cold behavior, kisses her in the open, and the two begin a relationship. Dory and Julie tell each other about their day when Stuart returns, wanting to see Julie again before he left town. The two kiss and make plans to meet in New York when Julie moves to Columbia. Keon's party ends up a success, despite the DJ not coming anymore, and everyone dances all night long. All night long? All night long! I think it's odd that there is no mention of Tinfoil Lady in the synopsis, yeah. because she's a fairly important character in terms of, well, screen time, in terms of her effect on Addie's plot, which has not really gone into in much detail in the synopsis. So just kind of strange that they kind of uh, just ignored her completely. Especially because she's a running thread of, like, color throughout yeah. this. And also is giving us one of the only, like, I feel good performances yeah. in this movie. <laughs> she also narrates the opening and closing of this movie, too. Did yeah. Lee, played by George Cusack. Yep. Just Sometimes this, you just gotta let it snow. This, like, pariah of a sage who refuses I mean, to explain her tinfoil. I would say it's true that she really doesn't have a lot to do except to be a narrator mm -hmm. and sort of vaguely connect threads, but, you know, it, it is a bit conspicuous. The, the synopsis is also, when I got through the first paragraph, I was like, oh, it's gonna do this one story at a time. And then it sort of does, then yeah. it comes back to... I thought the six they talk about her mom. Right. Her mom, yeah. yeah, so it, it doesn't really... It's a weird synopsis. Yeah. It's probably written it's, by a teenager. It, it's, it misspells a lot of words a lot of the time. <laughs> um, but it's it's mostly all of the events are there, I guess. Yeah, so that's, not that's, in order, that's but... That's pretty much it, yeah. Sometimes these Wikipedia summaries can be a bit of a minefield that way. Yeah, yeah. So you just gotta hope for the best. Because um, we're not gonna do our own. But if we... If, before we get into kind of each of the individual plots, because I, I, I feel very strongly that because this movie is essentially 
strangely like Baby Love Actually, we should probably approach it in the same way that we approached Love Actually last year, uh, kind of going at plot by plot. But the, what would we say two, is the... Wasn't that two years ago? Or was it two years? Yeah, Christmas last year Chronicles. Christmas Chronicles. Oh, you're right, two years ago. And next year, put it on your calendars, Christmas Chronicles 2. <laughs> or... Princess Switch 2 four? also comes out then. Oh, 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 I was thinking of Christmas Prince. I was like, Christmas should I go over the And there's, there's a rumor they're doing a... It's triplets this time. Ew. <laughs> Wait, it's different. It's not the same two people? No, it is. But no, there's a third. What? <laughs> I would just hope that every sequel adds another person. <laughs> you actually had octuplets. Just, um, <laughs> another bump in the paycheck for what's her name? <laughs> <Vanessa Hudgens. laughs> I get more money this way. She's like, this call sheet is crazy, but I can afford this new boat. <laughs> the top eight people are Vanessa Hutchins. <laughs> but, okay, anyway... <laughs> Love you, Vanessa. Love you, Vanessa. You do great work. Um, but the general structure of this is uh, we essentially just kind of have a bunch of concurrently running plot lines that all kind of get to a certain breaking point and then all resolve more or less at the same time in the same right. place. I mean, again, it's Love Actually style, right? Yeah. So it's just you keep cutting back and forth in between these various people who know each other, these couples that you're hoping get together or stay together or whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. One of the very few things I feel this movie does well is actually, I think, executing this structure. I would even say that I think they do it better than Love Actually did. Well... Because in Love Actually, it feels very labored how all of these adults have these incredibly, like, close connections, but as kids all in the same town, that does make a little more sense. I will, I will agree with you there. I think it also helps that Let It Snow has, like, ten characters. Right. They're bouncing back and forth, being I suppose, like, 25. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's probably a little bit easier for them to do that. Yeah. Well, and the, the stories have a little more to do with each other. They do. And I, I also love actually. kind of like that it happens over a smaller period of time. It happens over ostensibly, I guess, like, I don't know, 16 hours maybe. Yeah. Where I suppose to love actually, which starts five weeks before Christmas, <laughs> and then you follow people around for five fucking weeks. Yeah. I mean, well, it's a double-edged sword because in love actually, so the, the problem of like short amounts of time in rom-coms, mm-hmm. which is often the case in rom-coms, mm-hmm. is that it's very hard to imagine that these people are like in love yeah. mm-hmm. over like two days. Yeah. Um, I think... Uh, Love actually effectively solves this problem and creates believable chemistry by having it over many weeks. Like Mm -hmm. the translator story, the language barrier one, feels very real and believable because it's like they've slowly been hanging around each other for a while. And developing a rhythm. Yes. Um, But I think that this movie, Let It Snow, walks around that because it is high school and they're not in love. They're just like kids. Like, it's, it, passions run high when you're that young. Right, right. And you also have the advantage that most of these people already know each other, so it's mm-hmm. not like you're doing a yeah. meet, aside from Stuart, who's an outsider. Yeah, yeah. Like, pretty much everyone is already familiar with who the other people are. And I think whatever complaints you may have about, like, what narrative choices they make, I think structurally it's a pretty sound movie in that way. I think the plot lines are juggled pretty well. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. It, it, it feels I, like ample time is paid to, to yeah, yeah. the storyline, even if I don't like the storyline. Yeah. 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 I mean, no, that's true. Because I was, was going to say, I feel like I was going to say, I feel like not enough time is spent with Addie, but I feel like we spend a lot of time with Addie. We just like don't really have a compelling reason to spend time with Addie. Yeah, yeah. Not, not a lot going on. It's yeah. true. And it's bad. Whatever is going on is bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, so with that said, let's jump into these plots. So the worst. Yeah. What's, All right. Let's start with the worst and All right. work up to the okay. best. Who do we think the worst is, Chris? Addie. Okay. Addie. Yeah. All right. Agreed. Yeah. Her whole plot line is bananas. Yeah, so, too. well, this is the Addie Dory section, yes. right? Because there's technically the same plot. It's just that Are they're we, not so together. Are also including the other cheerleader in yeah. this? Yeah. Okay. Yes, I, I think it is. We are. Because it, well, so, 
let's also throw this out there. This is based off of a book. It's based yeah. off of a book that has three shorter stories that are written by three different authors. And the way the book works is that it's three segments, one after the other. And there are references to characters who have showed up in previous short stories or like you'll run into them or like, you know, various things like that. But it's not like an overlapping sort of Love Actually style story. So there are, if we look at it that way, three plots going on in this movie. Mm-hmm. The weird thing is, though, because the third the third short story is the one with Addie and Dory, all of these short stories differ so wildly from what you see on screen. There's all, Aside from the fact that there are some broad plot strokes and some character names that match, nothing from the book really ends up in this movie, which is sort of like, like it's not bad because Lee, I read this book, Lee read most of this book, yeah. and we agree, not a good book. No, it's not. Yeah. Uh, I keep posting clips of the, <clears throat> not the dialogue, just like the writing, like yeah. the narration, because it is all first person for mm-hmm, the characters. Yeah. Um, to you, like the thread, because they're, they're, everyone is a horrible person. They are. The they're love, all terrible. The love yeah. of that stripper name joke is so funny. Oh my god! Yeah, and that's also, that's like the first page. So like, yeah. as soon as you start reading, it's like this one character being like, I "I'm not say, a stripper." Again, like I don't know. It's different on my phone because it's like a smaller. Yeah. Uh, screen, but I I felt I felt like it was five pages of like. Oh yeah, I mean it goes on for like. So, yeah, I have it on my Nook, which yeah. mimics like the format of an actual page, and yeah. it was like two and a half pages yeah, of Jubilee lot. being like, I know my name sounds like a stripper name, but I'm not a stripper. And Don't think it I'm goes a stripper. So deep, she's talking about like people always ask me what oil do you use? Yeah, in whole like it's just like them. who wow. does that? Like who would do this to you? Yeah, you're a high school student. You honestly, should be reporting also on like honestly. Jubilee doesn't sound like a stripper name no. to me. It like I was gonna say, I think of X Men too. If the very least. I feel like I would be like, what a strange name you have. I wouldn't be like, what are you, a fucking stripper? What oil do you use for your pole? That's you know, I think I would think what? of that town in Florida that like Disney owns. Celebration Florida. Yeah, Celebration yeah. Florida. I feel like that was, you'd, someone named Jubilee would be in Celebration Florida. Do you know what, do you know what I almost <laughs> said? I almost said Clearwater, Florida. That one too. That's, that's Scientology. That's the other cult. <laughs> um, anyway, so sorry. So what I was just kind of saying is that ostensibly as the third, as these like, the main characters of the third story. Mm-hmm. These are sharing the same story in the book. In the movie, they barely interact with each other. Yeah. You see them together in the beginning, they get back to like and briefly they overlap at the Waffle House, mm-hmm. and then they come back together at the end. But for the most part, if you assume that this is supposed to be a story about how Addie interacts with um, Dory, it's not. It's ostensibly like it's really just two different subplots that happen to share the same short story in a book. And yeah. to be fair, like Addie's story, there's not much to it. No, Addie's story sucks in the book and it sucks in the movie. So I mean, the story as I understand it is she's just like a difficult, dramatic person who's throwing herself at people who don't give a shit about her. Yeah. Yeah. And that like... Well, because Dory, Dory also, is trying to like snap right. her out And Dory also it. says something like, you don't see how things you do affect other people or something like, I guess she doesn't. I mean, like, you're telling me she doesn't, but like, I've never seen that happen, right. you know? I thought, by the way, when I was first watching this, that the reveal was going to be that Dory had a thing for her. I honest to God was worried it was going to go that way. I'm glad it didn't. Me because too. I felt like it would be such an easy, like, hacky thing to be like, I'm I didn't think lesson. that. I actually thought the other way around. I thought that, like, uh, oh, Addie. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I agree with you. That I thought that at the end, Addie was going to be like, and the person who actually loves you is me. Oh, That's yeah. why I'm so nuts all the time. Because Dory did not seem at all pining to No, yeah, Addie, I'm, I'm sorry. I but agree I with thought you. That Addie, I, I thought that like it was going to be a clumsy, like, Addie was going to suddenly realize that, like... Right. Oh, I'm in love with you. Yeah, yeah, Addie's been having trouble with her boyfriend, and she's been going nuts yeah. because she's, like, trying to work through the feelings she well, has for her best friend. the trouble with her boyfriend is... I mean, I could that believe... he's a non-entity? Well, the trouble with the boyfriend, I don't, I don't know. He didn't return her text, so she, like, stormed into this diner and threw a gigantic... To be fair, fit. like, I, I think that her behavior is that of a, like, 
borderline personality disorder. Yeah. yeah. Paranoid person. But yeah. also the movie justifies it. Yeah. Because that woman is actually a massive bitch. Yeah. No, she, she is. like rolls her eyes at her and, it, 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 and the boyfriend does seem like very upset that she's there. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, like, it does it, seem like he's trying to dodge her. But the thing is, is that if I, like, if you were, like, in real life, she wouldn't get, she wouldn't get that far. She wouldn't yeah. have that boyfriend. Right. Like, what kind of person would want to go out with this? Not so. <laughs> but like, yeah, if you were, then yeah, you would be like, wow, my, my fucking actual crazy girlfriend is here. Yeah. And, um, sorry guys, that right. this is going to suck. And, and the movie wants you to sympathize with Abby because like, I think to an extent, because at the end you, you like her boyfriend breaks up with her right there and yeah. he's just like, I, I don't want to be with you all the time. And I think you're supposed to feel bad for Addie that her boyfriend would do that. But she is, as you said, genuinely psychotic in yeah. that scene. Yeah, like it's a justified, it's a justified scene. Yeah, it, I would break up with her too. Me too. Yeah. Well, and like, and I, like, again, you you talked about, because this is the part of the story that I didn't get to, you talked about how in the book it was more like, it, part of it was Addie realizing that she's a little nuts and mm-hmm. needs to focus on her friends and think, and think less about herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that should have been the arc of the movie, but right. it's just not. Well, I mean, to be fair, it's also paid lip service to in the books. Yeah. So, like, it barely I matters. think they believe they've done it in the movie because she, like, got the pig and brings it in. Right, and she like, has the chat with Joan Cusack. Yeah, Joan Cusack well, is like, well, what do you really want? Yeah. Because so, that's, like, the meat of her conflict, I guess, is really she's in this tow truck with Joan Cusack, getting her phone taken away from her and kind of being, like, lectured for a while. Yeah. I guess she has this realization that her friends gets the pig and goes back, and now we're all fine. Now. Right, but it is a question of, like, what prompts this realization? I don't really know. Not Nothing, much. really. I guess falling down that short hill, yeah, like through the <laughs> snow and bonked some like kindness into her. Right. So yeah. the thing is, I, I don't want to like. I mean, I guess it's going to be a continuing thing. But in the book, the basic plot of the story is that Addie is a jerk to her friend. One of her friends is Dory, and she has another friend too, who I'm sure her name is a character in the movie also, but I don't remember. The whole premise is that Dory wants a teacup pig, and her two friends have like teamed up to get it for her for Christmas. And it's going to be in a pet shop in town. Oh, that's different from how it is in the movie. Well, hold on to that thought, because you're going to be saying that a lot anytime I mention the book. Sure. The premise is that uh, Dory has to, or sorry, Addie has to go into work on Christmas morning at Starbucks. And so it's just that, like, please remember to go pick up the pig and bring it back to us so that we, you know, we know, they know it's supposed to be set aside for us, but just go get us the pig. She forgets to do this. Her friend shows up at Starbucks is like, hey, where's the teacup pig? And Addie's like, oh, I guess I forgot. And Dory's like, you fucking idiot. Like, you're always thinking about yourself. I can't believe you do this. You've ruined everything. Like, why are we even friends? And basically storms off. So Addie reluctantly goes to the pet store. The pig has already been, like, taken. It's been sold to someone else. And so she tracks down the woman who bought it. It turns out it was this older woman who was stopping for coffee earlier who was, like, friendly with her and the woman is like kind of a lunatic it has to be said like it's, I think the book thinks that she's a charming lunatic but she just comes off as kind of crazy she's like isn't it a good thing that I bought the pig and it's like well not really because like if you just left the pig there she would have gotten it right. anyway and so like it's not like you did anyone any favors in doing this you added an extra step right and so then she shows up with the pig for Dory and is like I have the pig for you isn't this a happy ending and everyone's like yes it is a happy ending but there's not really as in the movie a whole lot of like realization that things I do affect other people I'm too self-absorbed that conflict makes more sense sense than the one they give us in the movie. Well, it also makes more sense because the pig matters in the book a little bit. In the movie, it's just sort of like we see the pig, we see her looking at the pig, and then at the end, she shows up with a pig. I wonder then if Tinfoil Lady is the composite of Tinfoil Man and the Charming Lunatic Woman. I guess a little bit. 
Because yeah. I because in the book Tinfoil, it's a man, and he's kind of like an unlikable dick. Like he's crazy to the point that people just don't like talking to him. And this old woman is kind of like whimsical, you know, crazy. I think. So the, yeah, I, I guess you're you're probably right on that. It is kind of a composite. And like in her hands, I think Joan Cusack does a good job. It's just like this. Yeah. This, yeah. No, oh, she does. I mean, as always, just has Tinfoil like ironed yeah. onto all of her yeah winter clothes. Joan delivers yeah. as she always delivers. Um, the other half of this, there's not much worth talking about there, but I mean, so this, it's, um, Dory, I forget the fam- the cheerleader's name. I'll tell you a specific cheerleader, but, I have um, she works at Waffle Town as a waitress and, uh, she's uh, talking. Carrie is the name of the cheerleader. Carrie. K-E-R-R-Y. Carrie. Oh, Carrie. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. Carrie. That sounds familiar. Like Carrie. So at the beginning, she's talking to Addie about like, oh, this girl I met, she was like really great. And I don't know where she went or something like that. Mm-hmm. And... This bunch of cheerleaders walk into the Waffle House later, and one of them is this girl, Carrie, that she had a, a, a great night with, but, like, she dressed... She's, like, honestly, like, the worst... She's so hyper-earnest. Um, like, <laughs> train wreck I've ever seen, yeah. socially. It's like you said, she just never reads the room, right? She, like, just, no. immediately goes up to her and is, like, talking to her. Yeah. I thought no about you in the shower. There. A yeah. bunch of, like, cheerleaders who clearly are not... Is not, like, the Harry Potter nerd that you were talking to yeah. before, and is like, hey... Uh, person who yeah. I spent a whole night with we talked about Harry Potter yeah and she's like I, t- I thought about you in the shower but not in like that kind of way yeah but in like I have this like soap that's like for children right that has a, a toy in it yeah, yeah. But don't worry I'm so, not a baby it's so bad and I thought about you because you said horses are like big dogs and there was a horse at the center of my yeah, side yeah it was really nuts uh, and so that goes badly and then right. like Carrie kind of like pretends not to know her mm-hmm. um, and she's like well that was a little weird and then, honestly, this is the, the, the nutshell of this is that, like, Carrie, uh, like, lied about being out of the closet to her. For um, a weird reason, though. Because she thought Dory was so cool. Right. right. She wanted to be cool like Dory, so, so she cool pretended like to be out of the closet, yeah. which is like... Because she was like, I was so impressed with your coming out story. Right. With like, I you, wanted one just right, like with it. you yeah. knowing who you are, but it's just like, eh. So, like, the, this weak. is yeah. stretched across the entire movie by the fact that they don't have a lot of scenes together. Right. And when they do, there's always a bizarre contrivance to, like, Break them not apart. allow that conversation yeah, to happen. exactly. That at one point, she goes into the bathroom and it's just the two of them. Mm. And instead of Carrie's taking that time to be like, hey, sorry, I was weird with you earlier, she just, like... Makes out with her. Takes out with yeah. her for a second before another girl walks in and then she breaks off. Mm-hmm. And then later on, she's still a dick to her. And right. so it's, it's just like this very confusing, like hot and cold thing. Yeah. To Dory's credit, I feel after the, the initial two failures to read the room, because there's the weird shower the comment, sh- yeah. and then there's the quaffle waffle. Yeah. <laughs> Makes this Which, so unsettling. We're like, what's the waffle. center? Is it just more and more waffle yeah, all the way down? I think it's ice I think, cream. Yeah, I think there's ice cream. Oh it's like a sundae. Actually, okay. it does sound pretty I mean, you I know, okay, fair yeah. enough. Fair let's enough. Caramel let's get let's chocolate get waffle. Did she get the custom, like, a Harry Potter? Yeah. No, that was, like, stuff that, I think that was, like, like syrup or whatever that she had, like, designed on the plate. Like, I don't think the paper was no. painted. The waffle had, like, a red emblem on it. Oh, it did? Like a coat of arms. Wow. Like, some sort of, like, fun. Like maybe there was a throwaway line we all missed where they're like, Dory, how how is school gonna going at Cordon Bleu? Like where you're just <laughs> at the JK Rowling school of Cordon Bleu, right. where you have access to Harry Potter memorabilia like, and no how to cook things. I mean number one, I don't the most know. popular theme. I don't know how you fold waffle. I don't either. Right? Like, I mean, Lego, like, I'm impressed I'm sure in one sense. Possible. I'm yeah. sure it is too, but like they like they're they're like they're molded closed. Yeah. Like that waffle is flopping open. It's a ball of just waffle. Just imagine the things yeah. you could put in there, just like I mean, it's like a filling. it's like a glorious waffle chalice. Chal- yeah. chalice, 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 chowder. 
It's a um, glorious waffle chowder. Yeah. I think aside from that, she actually kind of deals with the situation in what I felt to be pretty refreshing. No, not... she's overall a well-written character. Because yeah. she, like, she kind of confronts it head on. Yeah. Each time. She's like, I mean, you know what? I'm not here for this. Well, because she was like, I'm not here for this. That hurt my feelings. And that was really fucked up of you. And I was yeah. like, that's cool yeah. that we have a character communicating directly in this movie because it doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, Dory's like the most mature character yeah yeah it also should be said that uh this character is not a lesbian in the book and there are none of the main characters to my recollection are lgbtq in the book so it's kind of nice that there is some additional representation in the movie that was not there to begin with yeah i I do i do agree with you guys that um carrie is probably the most emotionally mature character in this story oh sorry dory yes no yeah no carrie's not uh the dory definitely (laughs) is you know this this is this story though bugs me because and it was something that you had sort of said, Lee. It's just the fact that this could be taken care of if Carrie were to just text Dory while they were sitting yeah, at the table and just be exist. like, hey, sorry, I can't say this to you right now because my friends are here. I know I shouldn't have lied to you. This is what's actually up right now. This is why I seem weird. Please yeah. don't take this personally. I'll, you know, I, I don't want to be a dick to you. Also, she's been ignoring her texts for a while. Right. So, like, why'd you do that? Oh, no, that wasn't it. Oh, well, sorry. Because Dory says in the beginning, she's like started and deleted a bunch of texts. So she's been too awkward. Oh, to, I see. I see. To I see. write a text. Okay. To, I thought she had been. I also for some reason yeah. thought she had just been ignoring her but okay yeah no that's yeah that's that's bible yeah I think that's about all that's worth saying about that one yeah, yeah. it pretty much is because like I said Addie just sucks yeah. Addie's such an non-entity Addie sucks Dory's pretty good um I don't know what you guys would want to do after this I mean I mean for me after Tobin. this what yeah I was gonna say Tobin if we're talking yeah. about like the three stories that compose the book yeah. Tobin yeah. <clears throat> Tobin the Duke and JP is the middle one uh so my thought was when I was watching this is it seems like they're kind of going for like a pretty and pink dynamic where like it's Angie well, and then I think guess that's the setup like the I think yeah. that's like what they're tricking you in right like, it oh, starts look. off with that whenever it's right. whenever it's literally them on the couch and she's like we're gonna go hang with this guy whom I kind of know like do you wanna go do that you feel like it's going to be the story of like this hunky kind of aloof college guy yeah. who's kind of a jerk but she loves him even though he's kind of a jerk and it's really not that, it's not that at because, all I mean if you're I don't think as an audience member you're meant to think that because by the time you get to know JP, JP yeah. like, if you think that he's actually a threat, then, like, you're not reading the movie or, or the room properly. Like, right. he's just the most non-threatening well, character. he also just... Here's something I actually think the movie does not do well here. It doesn't communicate. Is there something going on between Angie and... I, I was going to say... I did, did, did JP oh, have intentions? Right, like that's that what I feel Angie? like the one thing you don't really get is, like, what does JP want at this point? Like, because you see there's a musical montage where you see the two of them talking in the church. Yeah. And, like, she, he seems really, like, animated into it, and she's, like, kind of into it. But, like, I feel like that would be the point to have him effectively say, you know, oh, I'm not into you, actually. I just consider you a friend or yeah. wh- whatever. I always got the clear impression that Angie... Angie was, like, exploring her options with JP yeah, mm-hmm. um, because, like, no other guy will have her. <laughs> well, because she's, like... Because she's a tomboy. Because she's yeah. the Duke. Yeah. So I guess she's a and tomboy. And no sees her as a sexual being. The thing that was poorly explained, I feel, in the movie was... Like, her whole situation, which I feel like I only know about because you guys read the book. Her well, situation I mean, of, like, I'm just one of the guys, I feel like that's uh, not really... No, that's out. not really an aspect it's of not, the movie at all. No, it doesn't really... They, it comes up a little bit, but it's not... It's like a throwaway line where she's yeah. like, they're calling me the Duke because I'm just one of the guys. Right. Also, the way that... The reason she's called the Duke is way, 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 way more sense and as well, way yeah. better. And so, speaks... and 
clears Toby Tobin up a lot, but Tobin yeah. has plenty to account for in the book as well. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, in the book, she's called the Duke because there's a convenience store called like Duke and Duchess, where oh. the idea is that whenever like all the employees are supposed to like instead of calling you Sir or Man, they're supposed to call you Duke or Duchess like as you're leaving or whatever. And she was very tomboy. You know, at one point when she left, the guy said like, "Thanks for stopping here, Duke," or something like that as she left. And they all thought it was funny, and so they kept calling her Duke. That, that makes so much more sense. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's way better than Tobin. It is having to just calling her the Duke, but also yeah. Tobin is a terrible person in the book anyway. So yeah. It doesn't matter. He's not that great in the movie. He clears out. He's fine. He's a little, movie. I think he's a little more benign in the movie yeah. than he is in the book. He's do- dopey, but like he's yeah. a dumb kid. Well, and the, the dumb part that I, I don't really care for in the book is it's literally like he doesn't seem to be aware of the fact that he has a crush on the Duke until JP just says like out of fucking nowhere, like, hey, I yeah. think you're into the Duke. And he's like, oh, guess I am. Yeah. In the book, that is too stupid. But anyway, in the, in the movie, it's weird too, because in, in the movie, like it was supposed to be the two of them mm-hmm. watching Bond movies mm-hmm. and he, it was his plan from the day one, from hour one of the day to like, today's gonna be the day I tell the Duke I like her. Right. And then she is like, well, instead I'm gonna invite this college guy, JP, and we're gonna like go do stuff. You wanna come with us? Instead of watch Bond movies all day? And he's like, sure, I guess. And he proceeds to like feel like he can't have this conversation and when he sees her with JP is like threatened for some reason, mm-hmm. even though like it, I, again, JP is like really not making any moves on he's, her. I guess no. it's just the fact that like he is he's this very tall, handsome guy yeah. who and like seems to have his shit really together and like does yoga or whatever. Yeah, and but like he yeah. acts very kindly to Tobin. No, he does. No, he's like he's not at all like a jerk to any to anyone. He's just like the nicest. He's really goofy and kind of like dumb. He's yeah, like a big idiot. But, like, sweetly dumb. Like, yeah. well-intentioned dumb. Well, the, especially when he's sitting there watching Angie and Tobin play this song on the church organ and, like... Yeah. <laughs> sing it! Yeah, that so, part, like, they... Yeah, he... he they he that part piano was, camp, guys. <laughs> yeah, uh, piano does not translate to the organ, I have to tell you. As well, someone who has seen organs up close in churches many times, there are differences between playing the piano and playing an organ. I don't think he, one... You know what? I think a guy that went to piano camp would have learned the difference and learned... Yeah, Lee, there's a lot of foot pumps, that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> so many foot pumps. It was kind of giving me No Man Eli's No Kiss List vibes of, like, uh, Bruce 2 just sitting there watching these two weirdos, like, go off but on their Bruce own music. Is like, but well, this is weird. Yeah. Right. Whereas JP in this JP case is just sort of like, this is like cool. Cool. Yeah. You now I'm going to join. You guys are so talented. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like playing, they're, they're playing uh, Hole of the Moon, Moon and she's yeah. like singing along and then JP is like having just a, the ball, a ball. Yeah. Listening he's to just out there watching yeah, them. Like, watch it. <laughs> and then he, he wants to get all the fun. So he like grabs Angie and they start dancing and then Tobin immediately gets like jealous and upset yeah. and stops playing and there's like, they have a weird argument and that he doesn't want to, like, explain why he's angry because that means he has to tell her that he likes her. Yeah. And he, he just sort of, like, storms off to his car, which they sort of crashed earlier. Right. So, also, it's, it's weird to me that he is sitting in a car in the cold, I don't know, 200 feet from them. Yeah, for hours. Sitting. It's just, yeah, it's just so weird that at no point does Angie come back out and be like, look, this is fucking ridiculous. Right. Like, tell me what's happening. Here. Yeah. But that happens. And, yeah. and then eventually Angie's like, well, I guess I'm going to go with JP to this other party. Yeah. And then they end up, somehow she decides to go back to the Waffle House. To right. find well, were they supposed to go to Waffle House? I honestly don't remember. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. I think there was always another party. Okay, I wasn't sure. Because um, Tobin ends up at the Waffle House. After Joan Cusack comes to, to-, yeah. to pull him out of the ditch. Seemingly hours to- after it happened. Yeah, it's so weird because it's also like, he says when he first crashes that he called the tow truck company. Mm-hmm. And then like, 
it's dark outside and Joe Cusack has to be like, and I just got a phone call saying I have to pull this car out of a ditch, which is just like, what were they doing? Anyway. So it takes like hours, but eventually he ends up at the Waffle House and then Angie just sort of shows up and at that moment he's like, I guess I can get over it now and just do it. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't know. The problem is there's not like a lot of, I kind of want more, uh, something else to push him. It feels like, it feels like, what do you do? Mm -hmm. Just time, they just take time for you to get this anxiety out of your system and just like get it over with because like, I didn't really feel what moment there was that... So I guess if you were doing this, what you could have it be is that the scene where he confronts the two brothers and, like, stands up to them is the moment where he realizes yeah. that, like, he has to, like... But it seemed, but then you cut to him later on the roof and he's just sort of sitting there quietly by himself. So it's not like he rushes up to her right away and is like, you not believe what I fucking did and now that I know that I can stand up to these two idiots, I can fucking do whatever I want so I have to tell you how I feel about you. Yeah. It just feels like even if he had not interacted with the two twins at the Waffle House and was just sitting up there anyway, it still would have proceeded as normal. I found the twin brothers to be very weird additions to this story. They're like these sources of like menace Don't they imply that they were in jail or something? Did yeah. they say that they're in jail? That's yeah. really upsetting to me. <laughs> like, they spend that whole time, it's not hockey, it's broomball. Yeah. And they're just like tossing Tobin around like a ragdoll and then later like chasing him in the car. Right. Yeah. Because he stole their keg. Yeah. So like a big chunk of the, the whole thing is that these twins are trying to like track him down. They're trying to rear end him. They're trying to chase him. So it's like, it's a little unsettling to have these two ex-prisoners chasing yeah. after you on Christmas Eve. Like it's not like cute or fun or silly. It's really just to me, like not something I it's, want to have. It's not hijinks. Honestly, yeah. seems to think it is. It's but, honestly way worse than the book. The chase. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. So in the, the chase in the, the book, book is not. In the book, all three of them get stranded in the middle of nowhere in their car. Yeah. And then, like, the next car that pulls up is the twins. Yeah. And they stop. It's so weird. It's there's, they, well, the keg, the keg is not really a thing. The keg is not a thing. Yeah. So there's no aggression. Right. No, yeah, there's no, the war has not been set off yet. There's <laughs> yeah. no active aggression between either party. The, right. The, dude, the brothers stop and they're like, hey, you guys need a ride? And they're like, yeah, we do. And they're like, we don't give rides to sluts talking to the Duke for yeah. no reason. Yeah. They never explain why. Yeah. And then they... Th- then they drive off, but yeah. like JP, who's who's actually like a different character, a friend of theirs, not yeah. at all the same character, yeah. and is not a third wheel in the romance. Yeah, just decides to like kick the car for some reason. Yeah. But the kicking of their car as it drives off causes that car so, like, like what? Out of control. Are you yeah. saying? And then that car, and then the, the, so that now there's like two like snow drifted cars. Yeah. And then the, the brothers get out and are like about to just like lay down, murder these three kids. Yeah. And they just start running into the woods, essentially. Like, yeah. They just have to run away into the woods. And this at one point, bizarre. like, the Duke can't run that fast. So, like, he has to... Uh, Tobin has to carry her. Tobin has to, like, pick her up and carry her. Yeah. And then, okay. And then JP has double flossing. Yes, yeah. there's this whole running thing where in the beginning when you first meet him, like, JP is flossing his teeth <laughs> he all the time. He has a double floss thing. And he sets up a, a double floss tripwire. Trip yes. Okay. So, <laughs> one, okay. So, the one part of the book I do kind of like is when they're... Just when it's, like, a narrow road and they're, like, running down JP. But JP can get to the side of the road. So, he's, like, running the middle of the road. And it's, like, he's just banking on them, not trying to run him over. So, like, yeah. they just describe him like jogging like softly and like the twins behind him like beeping like trying to get him out of the way without actually hitting him That's which insane. just feels like a comical image in my mind yeah. but the rest of it is pretty fucking nuts. Uh, so I feel like from that dental floss detail <laughs> that's why they, they give him this weird dental floss quirk just so that he could do a trick Well, I mean, well, yeah, totally. Like it's, yeah, that's, it's that's, you're, really, you're really working backwards yeah, from the needs chaos. of a plot. Chekhov's yeah. dental floss. Yes. <laughs> but like that it's 
it shouldn't be so clear that's what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, but all, yeah, but it is. So it's nuts. It's way nuts. Way more insane in the book. But yeah, um, also, yeah, the yeah the twins are just weird characters. I yeah. kind of am. A, I, if they weren't in jail, if they were not, if they were just like these like big louts who they didn't yeah, really like, it'd be fun. If they were like sort of like maybe they were the wrong side of the tracks and there mm. were rumors about them and they just kind of seem nuts. Yeah, but they're just kind of like ultimately harmless. But yeah, they're just kind of like dumb and crazy. They're kind of kids who would like. Coke and Mentos all day, yeah, like yeah. just recklessly set off fireworks because they're idiots. That's the kind of character I could be on board right. with. Right. Because then at the end, whenever they have the brief moment where Tobin stands up to them and they're like, This yeah, guy, he's, he's crazy. We love Let's it. give him a drink. We yeah. love this guy. It would be yeah. perfect. Like, it, it's a fun little, you know, moment yeah. at the end there. But like, again, these two people have been trying to kill him and we're in jail. So it's yeah. a little just like, these people are clearly not emotionally stable. Yeah. At some point, something will happen and they'll try to kill you again. I also just want to say, like, again, it doesn't feel like also this love triangle plotline really went on much of a journey it, it's no and I, I think this is actually a chronic problem for this movie in general I think with one very specific exception in which it sets up a story it doesn't really move the ball and then it just resolves and that's so unsatisfying and I feel like if you're going to bring in a love triangle here which I, I appreciate that they sort of subvert, subverted it in some interesting ways but the way that it was done was just not interesting to watch JP's not an interesting rival. Yeah. Tobin... I mean, I don't think that it really was supposed to be a love triangle. I think it's just supposed to be like... One character can't this... quite work up the Yeah, I think courage. it's supposed to be a friends to lovers thing where he doesn't know how to move the dial. Yeah. Um, and... JP is an obstacle in that path. Right. Yeah, but he, I mean, he views JP as an obstacle despite the fact that JP is clearly. I guess I really just, yeah. I guess I just feel like we don't get enough of it to really develop an. I agree plot. that the ball oh, doesn't yeah. move, but yeah, I think that the where the ball doesn't move is that like he doesn't really again he has that confrontation, but that doesn't really seem to be a catalyst right. for him. Like, there's no you don't really see the journey that he takes that he ultimately decides like he can make this confession. Right. Yeah. I also um, feel like uh, with Angie slash the Duke, you don't really get a moment where she realizes that she's in love with him. Not except really. She, she just kind that. of responds what he, to Honestly, what he says. Honestly, that reads his plot experience of like, yeah, it's always, you guys, she's been waiting for this moment. Yeah. No, it does. Yeah. It's dumb. Well, she doesn't. I will say that I, because we had different thoughts yeah. on, how, on that, mm-hmm. that. So like, I had thought that she really had not considered him to be a romantic option. Until the awkward uh, church scene, church yeah. scene where like yeah. he was clearly being jealous and didn't want to admit it, mm-hmm. and I thought that, and then because she, she kind of acts weirdly and brushes him off and doesn't talk to him for a while, and then yeah. she says in the end like I freaked out when I thought that it could be you or something, yeah, but it but it is you, like, and yeah. I thought okay, that's like just that's telling and not showing at that right. point, but like. I could believe that is, like, the point for her when she's like, oh, maybe he could be, like, more than friends. I think it would have been more interesting if we would have gotten any of the perspective of the story from her. Yeah, you don't get yeah, any of her perspective. You really don't. So that's not, that's and, not Which I, I'm a little disappointed by, because I think otherwise then she's sort of treated like this ephemeral MacGuffin. Yeah. I mean, it's just sort of these, again, you spend all the time with, like, fucking Addie, and it's like, right. what? I don't fucking care about you. Yeah. Meanwhile, Angela is just sort of like, Tobin just wants her, and that's most of what we know. Like She's the Duke baby. She's the Duke baby. There's nothing else to, there's nothing else to see here. I think we can close it out with what is far and away the I find to be the finest plot line yeah. in this movie is um Stuart and Julie. Yeah, Stuart and Julie. Yeah. Julie is uh she just got accepted to Columbia. Huge deal. Hasn't told her mom. Hasn't that. told her mom. Circumstances are such that uh if she defers, she will lose her scholarship and therefore won't be able to go. Mm-hmm. She runs into tremendous worldwide famous pop star Stuart who is just trying to yeah, so, be a normie today. Okay, yeah. so that's super weird to me. So, like, I thought... So, here's the thing. You, she, They just run into each other literally on the train. He drops his phone, she picks it up, and he's like, hey, I'm just trying to, like, I'm, just be cool. Like, don't <laughs> pretend to be... Which is just, like... 
it's weird to me that this famous pop star is just kind of on a fucking commuter rail yeah. in the middle of nowhere, Illinois. Like, I, first I thought it was going to be one of those things where it was a Roman holiday scenario where he had snuck away from his handlers. Like, he was on tour in Chicago and he yeah, just right. like, ran away from them and took that a train. That would make way more sense. No, it would make it more sense because, like, there's no real reason. And, like, he got on this train because he didn't know Right, he just got, he wanted to go somewhere. Yeah. yeah. But I think the writers were like, you guys, we need to make sure the audience gets that he really wants to be a down-to-earth person. So he wants to travel like the common man and take the rails. Right, but there's also the thing where he talks about wanting to spend Christmas in a hotel room because he has nowhere else to be. So it's just kind of like, oh, yeah. why is he on a train if he just wants to go to a hotel room? Like, so True. like, I, I just don't know why he's there, you yeah. know? Well, and similar to how, I mean, we, I think we get to know Stuart a lot better, but it's really Julie's story. But there is a little bit of Stuart. Yeah, I think there. Stuart, Stuart's is. not really shortchanged by He talks a lot about, you, 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 there's a lot of like scenes they share where they kind of share each other's like troubles. Right. Yeah. You know, you find about his past, how he grew up, like his yeah. relationship with his dad, how they didn't have money when he was a kid. He's a very like considerate and thoughtful person. <laughs> I think yeah. he has compelling and uh, like relatable motivations. Yeah. Julie's, he's also like a fucking hunk. It should be said. Yeah, Shamik Moore is like such a sweetie. Him. Like he's. Yeah. He's so handsome. He's so considerate. He's like, he loves her family. He's so nice to everyone. It's just like every time she like just declines to go any further with him, like you fucking idiot. Like you will, this will, it will literally never get any better than yes. that. But, but when she does decline, he's respectful. <laughs> yes. Like it was actually really well done, like boyfriend fantasy porn where yeah, it's just it sort of like, oh, he's just such a good guy. Right. He, he's, and yeah, he's like, good with her mom. He's so handsome and respectful. He's charming yeah. with his, yeah. uh, with her grandfather. Right. Like it's so good. And, wholesome. Yeah. Um, and Shamik sells it really well. He sells it wonderfully. Yeah, and also the overall, like, has the best cast. Like, mm -hmm. the mother and grandfather They're are, both like, really good. Really good. Really yeah. good. They have better material than most of the other characters. Yeah, I don't know. they have good writing, they yeah. have good acting. I, like, I, yeah. I was gonna say, I think in general, this plotline got the best writing. Yeah, if the um, entire movie were just this, I would be pretty okay with that. Yeah. Especially because I feel that Julie's main conflict could have been handled super poorly. Because it's essentially that her mom is dying of something. Well, yeah. We don't know that she's dying. She's sick. She's sick, yeah. The, the, well, but she, she could, says, you know. I don't know how much longer I have with my mom. She does say at one point that this is probably the last year. This could be the last yeah. year. This could be the last this year. Could, so, like, I didn't necessarily think that, like, it's a given it's that mom was dying. Like I just think that it's weighing heavily on her, the idea that my mom could die. And what she tells Stuart is, like, I got into Columbia, but I'm not going to go so I can, like, get this time with my mother. Mm-hmm. And also because no one can take care of her. Right. They can't afford a nurse. Right. And it's just her and her grandfather. And she just says like to her mom later, like, how will you take it? Like, how can grandfather take care of you? Basically. And, and Stuart is, I think he takes a very reasonable and emotionally healthy approach when he encourages her to tell his, tell her mom anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was like, even if you're not planning on going, you need to tell her that. Um, and I also just, I thought the scene between her and her mom was so good, especially yeah. when she gets her, she gets Julie to admit that she's angry at this situation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's an aspect that you don't usually see. No, yeah. not in movies like this. Right. You don't usually yeah. talk about like how like, it's okay to be angry about this sort of situation. Yeah. It's beyond yeah. your control. And the way that the mom says it is like, it got me emotional. Yeah. Like, the way the mom's like, it's okay for you to be angry about yeah. this. Like that was like really good writing. Yeah. Honestly. Like it's not a, writing you were saying like, you don't necessarily want this like kind of bummer. I don't always, but so Story, yeah. but it's done well. No, I do think I do think for what it is, something that I would not normally look for in a story like this, I yeah. think they executed better than I would have thought, certainly. And I think I mean they keep it tonally good. 
Yeah, and it's balanced. And there is the my levity. favorite scene in the movie is in this plot line where <laughs> they go to this like multi faith church. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. They put on this like multi faith uh, nativity play. Right. And it has like Lakshmi because it's Diwali, and there's yeah. like a Chinese dragon right. for Chinese New Year. They have right. a druid. They yeah, a druid. Yeah. yeah. And there's two wise men and a rabbi. Two wise men, yeah, Jesus rabbi. is there. Yeah, it's like a joke. Jesus and like uh, someone to represent Kwanzaa. Yeah, a, a, a black woman representing Kwanzaa. A black woman who it looks like she's wearing like a kenta cloth yeah. kind of thing. And, and then like she's narrating it to him where she says something yeah. like, and now baby Jesus is traveling across Westeros or something. Yeah. So like, <laughs> no, the druid says the wise men traveled across, across Westeros. That's right. And yeah. then, which I guess, is she supposed to be like worshiping the red god? <laughs> but, <laughs> Interesting turn of things. Julie leans over and she says that baby Jesus is... Handing like, off like something. Shiva or something. Yeah. Handing it's off it's something another Hindu god. And then yeah. they light the candle. They and then everyone the menorah. Everyone yeah. Yeah. The menorah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's this like really amazing moment where like this is all like pretty funny. Like yeah. this is good stuff. And then like everyone goes off stage and the last thing to leave is the two person Chinese dragon. Yeah, just, just sort of like awkwardly like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> and they just like crack up watching it and it's like you would. Like yeah. it was like ridiculous. I honestly <laughs> could have like spent the whole movie in yeah. this plot line. I, I I think it's very good. I think everyone's very good in it. I, I think it's the most interesting. It has real stakes without it being too much of a bummer for a holiday movie. Yeah. yeah. And I also um, I want to call this the uh, the sequence uh, where they're looking over the little Christmas village that her mom has set up and they're talking with her grandfather and the grandfather's like I looked you up on Google you're always grabbing your crotch and he's like oh yeah Mick Jagger never grabbed his crotch and so they like start playing Mick Jagger music and Shamik more like starts dancing all the Mick Jagger and the grandfather's it's like that's so not how he danced I'll show you how Mick Jagger danced yeah. and like starts strutting like Mick Jagger it's so good it was, it's just like a really sweet moment of like the four of them enjoying each other's company which doesn't happen a whole lot in this movie you know? <laughs> people appreciating each other <laughs> but then that's yeah true. and then like they kind of imply like Julie and Stuart are gonna like continue being a thing yeah yeah when he shows up at the Waffle maybe, House yeah, yeah he, she says like so will you be in New York, New York. Yeah. yeah when you're gonna be in New York yeah. Stuart and it's, it's cute it's yeah, cute it is I, I think I, I literally have no complaints about it I think I did when I first watched yeah. it but um, on the second rewatch I was like no yeah this really works do we have time to talk about things that are not gonna come up because we don't know the plot yeah. lines yeah. Well, we I definitely have to talk about what characters. DJs DJ, we have to talk about DJ Dick Powell. DJ Dick Powell. Okay, let's talk about <laughs> DJ Dick Powell. And then we also have to talk about uh, Miles Robbins. Miles I also Robbins. should just say, should just be, his name is DJ, what is it? K, it's like asterisk, asterisk Powell, Powell dollar sign. But the K looks like a D in the... Well, it's also because the DJ looks like a D-I. Yeah. So it just looks like Dick Powell It just kind of looks sign. like Dick Powell. Yeah. So Dick Powell. Yeah, we, so, we both looked at it. We both thought it said Dick Powell. Dick yeah. So DJ Dick Powell, his whole story is that he works at the Waffle House. He was going to have a party at his house, but his parents came back because their flight was canceled. And so now he wants to try and have this party at the Waffle House mm-hmm. because there is a DJ who is supposedly coming to check him out to see how good he is or Tempest? how his career yeah, is. That the one? Yeah. yeah. And so it's him trying to like make this party happen throughout yeah. the entire movie. He's trying to get Tobin to come there with a cake so they have alcohol. He's trying to get people at the Waffle House He's... to stay. He wants people to come with decorations because there's no decorations. He's sending Dory out to like tell yeah. the cheerleaders you guys should stick around for this yeah. party. Do you know what I think? I think both uh, Miles Robin as uh, what is his name? Billy. Billy. It's Billy. We call not it New Rollo. New Rollo. We call him New Rollo. Rollo. Just if, in, case, New Rollo. in case yeah. anyone's not. Rollo, call back to prom. prom. Yeah, exactly. The greatest character in Western fiction. So much who, like who? much like Rollo before him, <laughs> Billy and Keon, I think, are like evolutions of these classic high school characters yeah. that are trying to be like they're stoners without drugs. Better. Well, no. Uh, here's Keon is not <laughs> one of the Keon is 
I think, like a slightly evolved, less misogynistic and toxic version of like the horn dog character <laughs> from the high school movies. I think you're right. Like the one who's always like, girls! Right. Like, yeah. Oh, gotta find beer <laughs> yeah. for the girls! <laughs> girls! Oh my god, I just killed my throat doing that. <laughs> but there is it was worth it. There is something almost like sweet and earnest about his desire yeah, cause, like, to cause just what like, because he, he just throw wants to throw a big party yeah. and, and like get, he, his thing was like, instead of like, he was still into girls, but it was less like horny and awful. Yeah, and it was and it was more just like girls make for a good party. And yeah. I, what I care about is my DJ career. Right. And he also has that nice interaction with uh, Dory, where she's like telling him who yeah. the cheerleader is, and he's like, "Oh, so just go over there and be cool." Like, yeah, and he's like, her. he's like, he, she's like, "Have you ever had a moment where you just like stay up all night and talk to someone about your feelings?" And he's like, "No, but this, this, I'm happy for you." Yeah, like, that sounds <laughs> great. That sounds great. And it's, it's like a nice, yeah. He's not like a weird. He's not like a creep about it. Yeah. Where he's like, ah, two girls. Yeah. Well, because both him and Billy, new Rolo, could have both gone in creep directions, but he didn't. Yeah. And And Billy, again. Billy is just here with Billy and Rolo are kind of that sort of. But they're, yeah, they've gone more like in a new agey. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Where he says, um. Yeah. Um, uh, homeopathic the, route with them yeah. where they're just sort of weird the universe like, isn't some wicked lady it's just, just one, one infinite hug <laughs> yeah his whole thing is that the universe is always gonna deliver if you just like wait for it he's very subscribe sad to, yeah. subscribe, subscribe to her newsletter he has like I really like when um Kia's trying to tell him, like, see if Billy can go get alcohol. Billy says something like, no, I'm bad for the liquor store. I keep showing up wearing disguises, but the odor always knows it's me. So funny. (laughs) So funny. And there's not enough of this character in there. I love Rolo. I love this. New Rolo. Rolo. Oh, we stand a new Rolo. We we stand Miles Robbins, even if having two plurals for a name is a little weird. (laughs) (laughs) Miles Robbins. How much Robbins is in this movie? Miles Robbins. Miles of Robbins. Just miles upon miles. Would you talk a little bit about John Cusack? And I'm sorry, what, say what? John Cusack and I, and... Yeah. yeah. I mean, we never find out why she has the foil on. Yeah, there's no, this weird don't. running thread about, yeah, why she, she refuses to tell people. She's covered in tinfoil. Two people ask, and they're denied yes. vehemently. Well, and uh, at one point, Addie tries to, like, touch it or, like, pull the hat off, and John Cusack reacts like she's gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where she's just like, no! Yeah. And she, like, yeah. screws her face up. Joan Cusack, ugh. What a delight. In her second Netflix Christmas movie this year. Yep. <laughs> Guys, she's 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 up there with, like, the Tooch and Ewan McGregor and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Keep mm-hmm. popping up in movies, we do. Yeah. Keep being amazing in these shitty movies. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. And we should probably have a, like, pantheon set up at some point of, like... <laughs> All-Stars. Why, why watch maybe, All-Stars? Like, maybe, like, create, like, an actual, like, shrine with, like, small characters <laughs> in this yeah. room, like... Take over some corner. Like that thing with claws where it's like all the little spots. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you put little figurines in them in. I mean, we have a solid four right now. Yeah, we yeah. could make a little Joan Cusack out of tinfoil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, her character is kind of weird. I don't really know if she's supposed to be like the magic lady that knows things and, right. and passes it's, off wisdom or it, if she's just supposed to be nuts. She's it's unclear. Both, like, I don't, yeah, I don't necessarily in... want the movie to like take her in a different direction, but I think without Joan Cusack or someone like her playing this character, it's sort of a non-entity. That would be way less yeah. effective. Yeah, I, I feel like the movie does not know what to do with her. No. Well, it's just, she's just sort of weird, but it's a weird mishmash. I don't know. Did you guys think it was weird we didn't get the answer? I kind of just wanted to know. I mean, I wanted to know, but I also kind of like I, you don't I, know. I think I like how <laughs> I, I like no, she says at one point <laughs> yeah she's like the way that she does it she's like no she turns she wheels on yeah, me she <laughs> yeah. Yeah. no uh 
Ah. I've already been asked twice today. <laughs> yeah. But I just think they're both really good reactions. The first time Addie, they're like, it's a moment of silence falls in the car and Addie's like, can I just ask about this? And she's like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and then the second time it's like, what, can I just ask? And she's like, no. <laughs> I don't know. I, it, it depends on what they're, if you told me what their reveal was going to be. Mm-hmm. I'd, it would be like, okay, the reveal is worth losing the jokes or not. Yeah. Like, yeah. some some of the reveals are not worth the jokes. Yeah, I, I guess, like, what one would be, you know? Like, I yeah. think it'd be pretty hard to find one that would be good enough to justify explaining it. Yeah, and I think there is something to be said for putting something like that in a movie of, like, that is a real thing in life. Like, some things are better not known. That's like, right. This is some mysteries you are, just like, too juicy yeah. just to not to, solve. Yeah, sometimes the answer to the mystery is even more boring than the mystery itself. Yeah, like, it's a real thing. Like, sometimes having those questions unanswered is more compelling yeah I, maybe what they could have done was like we get no dialogue but it's just like a shot of her returning to a home that will just have like lived in details for us to like see and pick up on or something or like, i was gonna like, say you just you're driving home and she has like a tape <laughs> A cave lined in tinfoil. So with that said, I think it's a good idea to jump into fixes. I feel pretty confidently mine's probably the simplest and shortest. So do I you? Could... Yeah, you do you, baby. <laughs> do I, you? Yeah. I feel like mine's gonna be pretty short. <laughs> I, I, generally, I kind of feel like this movie was inoffensive for the most part. I mean, there were problematic aspects to it, but overall, yeah. I, I didn't find this to be a torturous experience to watch. My big change here is mostly to the format. I know this might be cheating because I'm thinking this should probably be like a miniseries instead of like one movie, just because similar to my complaints with Love Actually, it's just... You want to set in a mental hospital again? Yeah. Okay. We're going to a group home. (laughs) That was such a bummer. Run by team. I was just I watched Love Actually and I was just thinking about that when it was over, like about Chris's Chris's like mental hospital version. Do you know what that was? That was me getting like drunk and following my worst instincts, where I was just like... (laughs) My worst instincts with, with the Christmas movie where I was like marital discord and mental health. I, but so I, I think I what I what you end up doing is you have the kind of central unifying event being like that uh, party at the Waffle Town at the end. Definitely beef up uh, Joan Cusack's character as the kind of like thread. I think she's a narrator for like every episode of this miniseries and yeah. each episode is really just like full on on just one storyline at a time. But you are seeing the intersections as they go along. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, I mean, it's sort of more anthology-ish. Yeah. Which is also weird because Netflix seems to be doing, like, Christmas TV series this year. I That's saw like that. Thing, which I haven't watched any of them, but it just seems, yeah. like, kind of interesting that they're moving toward the idea of doing a miniseries instead of a movie. I'm interested to see how this is going to work out for them, though. Just in the yeah. face of, like, you know, Disney Plus and Yeah, the Aiden Peacock and whatever that else. one was, I can go, and I get them confused. But the one you talked about... Dennis Quaid one. The Dennis Quaid oh, one. Oh, that... How weird is he, Dennis Quaid and just what looks like an old hacky sitcom? Yeah, and by yeah. the way, there's, like, laugh track in it. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, Isn't that bizarre? It, it seemed too, like, bland and unfunny to It watch. did. Like, I kind of want to watch it. it in the oh, background. I wonder, like, why are you here, Dennis Quaid? Yeah. Dennis Quaid's got a new child bride. He needs money. That's true. God. Anyway, so that's my fix. Mini series. Yeah. Mini anthology series. Which uh, Netflix is down for anyway, yeah. so. Lee, you wanna? Sure. I don't have a lot to fix, I think. Um, I think the Julie Stewart story is really good, <laughs> and I wanna keep all of it. I like all of it. I think that the Toby and Angie one has, like, good bones, but it has bad writing that I'd wanna punch up a lot, and I'd wanna adjust some character and uh, story choices. Like, I think that I think I'd keep, like, the whole thing with JP and uh, Angie and Tobin, and, like, their initial plans being upset, and this third element being thrown in that throws off Tobin's, mm-hmm. like, plans for the day. I'm keeping JP as written. I love JP. But I do want to make, and I know that, like, 
listen, you can't say I copied you because we had the same idea at the same time. But I'm making JP uh, like again like a pansexual. Like mm. I'm not having. I'm, I'm not gonna go your direction with this. <laughs> but like I do think that JP just loves everything and everyone. Yeah. Um, and I also think that Billy loves everything and everyone, and so I want them to end up together. I, so I want much. that to be like a sort of payoff at the end. But I do think that Tobin initially sees JP as a threat, and I think that maybe Angie does ha- did initiate contact with JP, thinking that like this is like a guy because he's from college and there's no like existing history where like mm-hmm. no one sees Baggage. me as someone that, that is dateable essentially yeah. I, I, I think it's still believable in this day and age that yeah, like that sure. is a problem that you could have as a as a young woman in high school that is like not like most quote-unquote most girls well because like mm-hmm. when is that about really it's about like learning to love and value yourself yeah and like I, it's i like that she's like it's, I felt like a lot of a lot of like the Angie Duke stuff. I was like, this was I relate a lot to her. Yeah. I also uh, walked into uh, I also was called a boy by a photographer in like seventh <laughs> grade, and I also was like didn't hang around with like I hung around with a lot of guys when I was growing up, and I was into like tomboyish guy things, and I didn't have like I didn't relate a lot to a lot of the things that like most girls were doing. So I, I, I kind of am down for that arc for her where it's like, yeah, no one no one does see that when that's frustrating. Yeah. And I like that Tobin has this arc where he just doesn't know how to, like, he doesn't want to ruin what he has with her. I think that there just needs to be more of, like, a moment. Again, I think that confrontation could serve as that with the conversation with the Dukes where he's like, okay, I can stand up to the Dukes, I can do anything. The twins, you mean? The twins, yeah, yeah. the Dukes, yeah. The Dukes. <laughs> the Dukes. Is there, um, um, there going to be a scene between JP and Billy in which they kind of do, like, a reenactment of the ghost pottery scene, but it's with making burgers <laughs> at the diner? Or waffles. Uh, no, I kind of want them to just be like, I don't want to add, like, too much stuff, but I think that at the end there's just, like, a moment where they, like, meet and it's, like, instant. You see them connect. Yeah, 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 instant connection. I, love I, that. I do believe it would be an instant connection. You know Billy loves some, like, weird yoga or whatever oh, absolutely. JP is he, up to. JP also thinks the universe is one infinite hug. Yeah. You cannot convince me otherwise. Yeah. The other, the final plotline, I would, ugh, I would just, like, heavily, that's the one that really needs to be torn down and rebuilt. Mm-hmm. And I think the, like, keeping the LGBT characters in the plotline is important. Um, I don't really know, though, how to fix your issue of it taking, like, one conversation to sort out earlier. But I, I want to keep it in there because I, like, it's solid enough. I, maybe there, there needs to be more of a reason. I don't know. I think I probably lose the bit about Carrie lying about coming out. I think that, like... It's weird. It I think maybe you just reason. lose that line <laughs> and just, like... They didn't talk about coming out that night. They just assumed... She just assumed that Carrie had come out. I think that's more interesting if she just assumes it. Yes. I, it reads as way too contrived yeah, for I her to have a, lied about her coming out I think status. it's a perfectly fine arc for Carrie to have not come out of the closet, and that's why she's weird. But it's weird that, like, she lied about coming out to Dory, so right, I would yeah. just ha- admit that part of the story about her lying about coming out and just say, they didn't... Yeah, they talked about Harry Potter. They didn't talk about coming out that night. It's fine. Uh, Addie? I don't know, man. She's... I think that, like... I will keep her, but I want it to be, like, much more open and, mm-hmm. and like, explicit that she is a bad person and that she <laughs> is self-absorbed. And I want, uh, I do want, at least in this one arc, for Joan Cusack to be more, like, more of the wise person that's able to tell her, like, well, you're kind of an asshole, actually. Like, I kind of want Addie to be, like, recounting her day from her perspective to Joan Cusack and Joan Cusack to be like, it sounds like you're the problem here. (laughs) And that to be like a realization for her eventually that like, oh, she does need to change. I don't think the movie earns that storyline that much. Mm. And that's what it should be. Maybe even have Addie lean into like the mean theories like at the beginning of the movie. Like she tells Dory like, oh, there's the weird like tinfoil lady. Like I hear she does X, Y, and Z. And then like, oh, you got to know her. Yeah. And yeah, it would be, there really should be like more of an explicit like, 
you know, by the end of the movie, Addie is like, well, you're not a weird lady. You're kind yeah. of a normal person. It would also help us with, with the, the confusing mystique of tinfoil lady. Yeah. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Did. Anyway, that's, <clears throat> that's my fix. I just, I, yeah, in order of badness of stories. <laughs> so uh, what I got for you is, um, what I want this to be is three segments with some overlap, and each segment is directed and written by someone else. So, like, you see references and characters popping up throughout all three of these stories, but it's not like a Love Actually intercut style thing. It's like an anthology movie with three distinct segments. The overarching theme of this is people going to the Waffle House on Christmas Eve. And I don't want it to be, like, because there's a party happening there. I think it's just be or Waffle Town. Like, it's in the book, it's Waffle House. And it's clearly supposed to be Waffle House because the whole thing about Waffle House is that they're always fucking open no matter how miserable it is outside. Mm-hmm. And so it's just this idea that, like, you're going there because you're in a small town in the middle of nowhere. This is the only place that's going to be Right. It's like if you want to go someplace that's not your home, you're going to have to go to a Waffle Town. And so there's also this idea that the book has, which I kind of like that the movie really doesn't, is that there is an impending blizzard that will cause everything in the town just completely come to a halt. And the movie kind of like they mentioned at one point, like you can't get an Uber because of the snow, but like it's gently flurrying. It's not like there's a snowstorm happening. There is a lot of snow on the ground. There is. But it's also there's a lot of like people being like, oh, no, it's too dangerous to be driving with all the snow. But like, it's not really like it's snow, like it snows sometimes. You guys live in the Midwest. You're presumably familiar with this phenomenon. So it's just this idea that, like, at a certain point, everything in the town is going to have to, like, come to a halt. You won't be able to drive places. You're going to have to, like, walk if you want to get someplace, or if you're going to if you're gonna be trapped for the night, you better be where you want to be right. for the time being. Uh, so with the three different stories, you got the Julian Stewart one, where the idea is that Julie is returning from Chicago and an uneventful attempt to get her mother part of a Christmas village that she loves, similar to in the movie. Her mom's had a tough year because she recently got divorced, and she's trying to care for Julie's elderly grandfather in and Julie's having a bit of a time because she just got admitted into Columbia, so she's tempted to, like, leave her mother and go to the big city, but she also feels bad about leaving her mother. Stuart is this rich, popular kid who she kind of knew but never really spoke to who's also taking the train back from Chicago to their town, and the two of them end up sitting next to each other on the train and sort of have, like, you know, a pleasant enough conversation until the train gets stuck in a snowbank, at which point the two of them decide, like, look, we're not that far from home. Do you think we can just, like, walk back? Yeah. So they get off the train. The two of them have a stop at a Waffle House. They have a little bit of a conversation. The rest of this is going to play out kind of similar to how it is in the movie where it's just the idea that like he maybe doesn't really understand what it's like for her to like have this sort of life because he's coming from a very like privileged place where he doesn't really have these kind of problems to deal with in the end he also reveals that like oh I'm going to NYU actually and you know <laughs> so if maybe uh, maybe we'll see each other there so it's kind of like they end on kind of an optimistic note between the two of them but for the most part I would just excise kind of the sickness thing because I just think as well as that's done it's not really something I enjoy mm. in these kind of movies especially at this time of year. Uh, for Tobin and the Duke and JP. Uh, I like the basic premise of this where I think it's just fine that Tobin is trying to work up the courage to tell this girl that he's in love with her and in this version, JP is going to be similar to the character we see in the movie, but it's a little bit different. He's going to be this person who they were friends with, who was an upperclassman, who went away to college in September, and now he's back in town for the first time in a couple months. And when they see him, he's, like, taller and hunkier, and it's like he's had this, like, glow-up over yeah. college, where it's like now he's, like, super smart worldly, and he does yoga, and he's, like, he knows, like, foreign foods and all these things like that. That, like, is just very, like, shocking. He to... loves European movies. Right, yes, exactly, yes. He's watched a Kurosawa movie once, and, like... <laughs> 
Tobit is just sort of like floored by how this like person, like, you know, who they thought was just sort of like this benign friend of theirs is kind of like this otherworldly hunk now who he thinks is kind of like in the way of him expressing how he feels for uh, the Duke. And so as the night proceeds on, the two, I, I kind of do like the sequence in the church, so I kind of want to do have something like that. But I think it's going to end with JP being like, I know your car is stuck, but my house is five blocks away. We could just go back and like not hang out at a church. And so they do. And uh, Tobin and uh, the Duke sort of are working out their feelings for each other with the help of JP, because JP is like this pansexual like magic man. <laughs> He's experimented at college. Yes, he has. And the three of them sort of end end up in a bit of a uh, sexual experience with each other and so at the end JP reveals that like he's doing this because like he does like both of them they're his friends but like he doesn't want to do this like you know he's not trying to form a, like a polyamorous trad with him he's not trying to go with the duke it was just sort of this was my way of helping you guys try and work out the feelings you had for each wow, other wow, wow. through this also I'm super gay for New Rollo so <laughs> <laughs> you've got that the Addy and the exact line I, that's what he says the end also I'm, I'm super, super gay, gay for, for New Rollo uh, no New Roll up. The Addy and Dory part, I really don't know what to do with it. I think the idea is basically just going to be that Addy and Dory have a fight before Dory goes off to work at the Waffle House. So Dory's already like in a difficult position. She had a fight with her best friend. There is this woman, well, this this girl, who she had like, in my head, I think what it's going to be, it's not going to be like a deep conversation they had all night. It's maybe they sort of met at the Waffle House a week ago and it was just Carrie and Dory sort of hitting it off for the entire night. And then maybe they kissed, you know, in the bathroom and that's all she they've seen of each other and so they don't really have a good sense of who the other person really truly is so it's sort of like Dory is being weird around her because she doesn't know how to be natural around a person because she's never sure. had this sort of thing before Carrie is weird with it because she isn't entirely out and this I think similar to Lee's they never had this discussion so she doesn't know that she's not out it, it doesn't work because these two never had this huge connection going into it it's something that they're trying to like you met someone and you think they're really cool but you don't really know anything about them it's just that you sort of have this attraction to them this feeling about them and so that's kind of why they never had these soulful discussions right. about who you are and where you're coming from and who knows about you and all that crap. So, you know, you've got that. Addie's thing is also probably going to be a realization that she is a bad person. And uh, <laughs> the, the one thing... I'm a bad person. The one thing I do have to say is that uh, her boyfriend is a character in the books who kind of matters. His name is Jed. And, um, he has... No, he, he has no literally like on one movie. scene in this movie where he's... You don't really know anything about him. And so I, I kind of want him to have a little bit something more to do like maybe what Addie's story is going to be is that she knows that Jed's going to be at the Waffle House later that night so because she had a fight with Dory she's stranded somewhere like by Dory's house and she has to try and like get her way to the Waffle House to apologize to her friend and to see her boyfriend but she can't get there because there's a blizzard sure. so she's relying on the help of Joan Cusack where she's having various sort of picker-esque interactions as she's <laughs> trying to like walk from one side of the town to the other to get to where she's trying to go at the end so the entire movie basically ends with everyone ending up at the Waffle House and sort of having a Christmas Eve there, you know, all together with their friends and their new loved ones, and it just ends there. Just yeah, have more Picaros stories in general. Yeah. I agree. Uh, yeah, no, we should. I, I feel like that's what we're grasping for when we do these, like, um, anthology series, but it's, it's it's not quite the same. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, well, so before we, we, we go, do we want to rate this movie? Do we recommend it? Recommend it, that's what I meant. I don't know that I... I don't know, man. I, I feel like if, if so you're in the mood to watch... YMMV. Yeah, yeah, it truly is. It really is. is. It has a lot to do with what your tolerance for young nonsense is. It really does. In my opinion, if if you... Because, I mean, I there's been a couple days where I've been like, I want to watch some 
Christmas trash on Netflix, this is a fine choice for that. If you're asking me, like, do I really need to see this movie this year? No. No, you do not. Yeah, in terms of Christmas ephemera, it's okay. Like, it's okay. When you compare it to something like Love Actually, like, when I watch Love Actually, it's literally just like, I can't believe how fucking dumb this is. Like, how horrible these people are. How much this movie hates fat people. Like, all these things. It's just like, it's just like, it's it's just like your your brain wants to explode. Yeah. Your brain wants to explode because of all, like, the sheer idiocy that's happening here. With here, it's just kind of like, meh. You know? Like, again, you've got the Stuart and the Julie story, which I really do like, but the rest of it is just so meh that I can't really work up enough to, like, say, yes, you should, or no, you shouldn't. Because, like, as opposed to Love Actually, which incites, like, anger, this just makes me feel nothing. Yeah. So, I I don't know. I can't quite recommend it. It's like... Yeah, I'm 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 leaning no, but if you really like... I mean, it's it's short, right? It's 90 minutes-ish. I mean, again, I think part of the reason I watched this is because, like, it's Christmas and I need things to put on that are right. Christmassy when I'm not not only paying attention to it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. so like it's one it's the one of the better ones of those. Guys, this um, has also been our fiftieth episode. Do you know? Really? Yeah, we've been doing yeah. this. That worked out really nicely. I know it did yeah. for Christmas. Go figure. Wow, fifty okay. movies and the other watched. ones. <laughs> yeah, because there was there was the time before the podcast. Well, I was <laughs> also the various minis. That yeah, 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 the fifty yeah. yeah. Also, the many many movies we watched before we decided to start. Guys, it took us three years, but we got to fifty episodes. I know. Yep. Most That's how long it takes. Most people have like already hit a hundred by this point. Yep. But we're good. We're methodical. I'm glad it happened on Christmas though. I would say like yeah, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's to people. Yeah, Happy, happy Hanukkah. Holidays, whatever. Yeah, Happy Holidays. Yeah, what other holidays are at that uh, that pageant that you can celebrate? You you celebrate them. Chinese New yeah. Year. Yes. Happy Happy Diwali. Happy Pagan yeah. Day. Yule. 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 Yeah. Yule. Merry Yule to ye. <laughs> I know because there's that meme now that's like keep Christ in Christmas mm. or, or yeah, and so it's it's all like. Then don't have a tree because yeah. that comes right. from you. Yeah, yeah, from the oh, pagans. Oh, yeah. your face, Zing. Christians. <laughs> it's always like Christians such... always respond to reason and logic. Right? Yeah, it's like ooh, that's a mic drop. Anywho. So, um, so I we'll... hope you guys all have like a really nice holiday season. Yeah, and... we'll be back in two weeks with our closing of the year mini so where we just nothing. talk about what we did this year, pretty yeah. much. So, uh, with that being said, let it snow, friends. Bye. 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 Sails you came like comet blazing your trail.